The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSIN. We begin hour number two of the Lombardi Line, presented by BetMGM. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds, who is uh, Natalie clad in a beautiful green jacket today. We wonder who will be wearing another green jacket come Sunday. We had Carl Paulson on in the first hour of Series XM Radio. We're going to have our guy, Will Hill, is going to join us later on this hour. Talk some NBA with Will, and also he's got some Masters plays as well to give out. Again, I always say this, Wes, and you know this by now. I think you and Brady Cannon and Matt Humans, when you guys uh, do long shots, I think it's absolutely one of the best practices for people that are serious about betting golf. They should listen to it each and every week right here on VEASAN. When you look at some of these head-to-head matchups, I wonder where your thoughts are, because one of them jumps off the page to me here, and I'm going to go right to the top, and that's John Rahm, a guy you and I were talking about a little bit during the break. And that I heard him today, and he's talking about his son, and he's so grounded now. He mm-hmm. feels like a different guy than the hot-headed Spaniard that would go out there and throw his clubs and then kind of take himself out of a golf tournament. And we just had Carl Paulson on talking about JT, Justin Thomas. And for whatever reason, it's not clicking for JT at the, at the majors. Maybe this week it does with Bones McKay in the bag, Phil Mickelson's old caddy, you know, won, three, won this green jacket three times, Phil and Bones. At plus money, it's it's tantalizing. What do you make of that head-to-head matchup? Because I think it's a fascinating one. Yeah, I'm probably not going to play it necessarily, but there's a reason why John Rahm is still the favorite in this tournament and has the shortest price because he's the only player, and if you think consistency matters at Augusta, and it clearly does, right. he's the only player in this field with top tens in each of the last four years. Uh, fourth, T9, T7, T5 is his form coming in. And maybe uh, the hot-tempered Spaniard at mm. times, even though he's, he's calmed down with the birth of his son and everything. However, he still has a little bit of that fire, and maybe that's a good thing if you like him this week, because he did just lose the number one ranking in the world, and that being for the uh, uh, first time since, uh, I believe, last summer after the Open Championship. I think that's the first time he lost the number one ranking. That's Scotty Scheffler's distinction right now, but Rom has not won this year, but he's played solid. Second in Hawaii, he was T3 at the Farmers Insurance out at Torrey Pines. So look, the great ones, Dave, you know, and I would consider, you know, six to eight guys being the great ones on the PGA Tour and in the world of golf. The great ones are never that far from winning, and John Rahm <laughs> certainly qualifies, but so does the man he opposes, Justin Thomas. Ball striking has come back, because arguably in this matchup, you have one of the better drivers of the golf ball off the tee in the world, John Rahm. Yes. He's always up there with Rory and Bryson. Like Those are sometimes the big three for strokes gained off the tee. But who's right up there with approach shots? That's Justin Thomas. Either him or Colin Morikawa for my money. If you said, okay, you need a guy to hit a good iron shot Mm. close to the hole, it's going to be JT or Morikawa. So probably not getting involved in that matchup. I am involved in Justin Thomas at 14-1. to I did not bet John Rahm this time. You could bet John Rahm pretty much for every every major and and, and I think uh, make a justified argument for it. I had him at the U.S. Open last year at Torrey Pines where he birdied 17 and 18, which you don't 
don't do on a Sunday at the U.S. <laughs> Open. So you know this guy no. is pretty darn clutch in clutch situations. So nothing for me there on that matchup. But obviously, those are two guys that are very short prices for a reason. You had to bring up John Rahm birding 17 and 18 at the U.S. Open. I had a long shot ticket on Louis Ustase in mm-hmm. the week. And that's the thing about Louis. He, he always seems to just be right there. He's a big game hunter. Finished. No question about it. He's got the uh, career grand slam, if you want to say, for the bridesmaid. It's been a second in all four majors. Wow. Gosh, uh, last year, Louis, I, I, I got to tell you, he was uh, right there for the Open Championship. He was right there for the BGA he as sure well. Was. I, I have some tickets on Louis this week. And and by the way, one of them here against Corey Connors in this head-to-head matchup, you got to lay a dollar twenty-five against uh, the Canadian and Corey Connors here at plus a dollar. I'm sorry, I, I normally don't like to lay. I like to try to find those plus, uh, plus values there. I'm laying it with Louis mm-hmm. in this matchup because, again, with the pairings that just came out, that he's going to be paired with Tiger Woods and Joaquin Neiman uh, for the first two days here. I think that's a very comfortable spotlight. Normally, nobody wants to be paired with Tiger because of that spotlight. Louis, it's going to be a walk in the park. I think he's going to enjoy it. I kind of like that number there because he normally traditionally gets off the fast starts here. One thing I'll say for Corey Connors, though, uh, two really good finishes was T10 here in 2020, T8 last year. Connors is one of the better ball strikers, one of the better not only off the tee but approach. T to green – he might be like a top 10 guy in the world, as absurd as that sounds, with only one PGA Tour win, that being April 2019 at the Valero Texas Open. But this is a guy, T to green, but the problem is you got to play on the greens, and that's where Corey Connors can be a little shaky with that with that putter, and that always concerns me. But he's going to hit fairways and greens here. But these greens here at Augusta, when, when they give like the stint meter range in terms <laughs> of how fast they're going to roll, and I put it in my column, and usually I can kind of pinpoint a number because all the greens are the same it's going to go 12 to 15 on the stint meter and that's a big range and every hole is going to be different some holes are going to be faster greens and then you're used to these fast greens that are like putting on glass on these bent grass greens and then you're going to get to the next hole and it's going to be slow and that's what it's so hard to do it's the hardest thing is to read the speed of these greens at Augusta National and that's kind of your concern with these really good ball strikers like a Corey Connors Mm -hmm. like a Victor Hovland and and really, it's more his chipping game than his putting game. But like Colin Marikawa, some of these young guys can kind of struggle a little bit on the greens. But it just takes one week. It just takes four days. It's like I always say, and it sounds so cliche, you don't have to be a great putter, but you got to putt great, you know, for, for those four days. days. That's and, what you and, do. and that's all you have to do. Like Dustin Johnson used to be weak with the flat stick, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden he got better and more consistent. It's like if he just gets there and just makes enough, Sometimes that's going to be enough to go ahead and win one of these things. Some of these head-to-heads are fascinating to me. Another one there on the board. You know, he's the number one player in the world, and yet he's even money against Cam Smith. Now, I get it Mm -hmm. why Cam Smith, he's just one of the players, and right now, you know, everybody's going to be rooting for the mullet. He's a likable guy out there. But Scotty Scheffler just kind of quiet as kept, goes out. He's, what, what, three times on tour this year to ascend to number one? And you mentioned putting. Is there a putt he doesn't make? Scotty right. Scheffler feels like we net. We talk about ball striking. We don't talk about his putting. That guy might be the best putter on tour right now. Yeah, and he's against a guy that wouldn't be far behind or would be right there with him, Cameron Smith. I believe he actually leads the PGA Tour for strokes gained putting this season. These have been kind of the two buzz players that everybody's going to be like, hey, these guys got a chance to win. However, you're not getting the best of the number. No. That doesn't mean they can't win, but these were guys that started the season 
season around the 40 to 1 range. I hit futures actually on both these guys this year. Scotty at Phoenix, Cameron Smith at that opener. Remember at Century Tournament of Champions out at Kapalua, 34 under par, that an all time PGA Tour record and had John Rahm right on his heels, by the way, and was still able to hang on. So these are big money players. They haven't won majors, but these are guys that just are very good scrambling around the greens, can drain putts. Uh, Scotty Scheffler might be in slightly better form, but man, that, that with minus matchup. 110 on both sides, that really is a coin flip between these two guys because I think you could make very strong arguments for both. Small lean maybe to Smith because Scotty Scheffler, this is the first time he's going to play an event as the number one player in the world. And you're doing it at Augusta National, the most uh, widely watched and followed tournament of all of the golf season. So Scotty Scheffler having that number one ranking, you know, maybe it's like, okay, there's a lot of pressure and you're just a little bit off. And that's what would concern me about Scheffler. So if I had to play that, I would lean to the Aussie mullet man, Cam Smith. Speaking of pressure, Rory McIlroy might not be feeling as much of it externally because of Tiger Woods' inclusion in this tournament. Internally, he's feeling it. And, yes, it's plus a dollar against DJ. You know, it's funny. We just had Carl on, and, mm-hmm. and CP almost forgot Dustin Johnson. He said, no, 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 put, put Dustin in my top four. Right. You got to lay a dollar twenty-five. But I got to think, if I, if I was playing this head-to-head, that's the only way I could play it is by laying the dollar twenty-five with DJ. And, and Carl brought up a good point, too, about Rory, and I had that in, in my write-up as well in the VEASAN Masters Betting Guide, which you can get at VEASAN.com. Rory has tried about everything. Why hasn't he? Because he has been trying to win the Grand Slam since 2015, the last major championship this man ever won. It seems like he's an old man, but he's only 32 years old. But the last one he ever won was 2014 at the PGA Championship at Valhalla down in Louisville. And he's tried everything. It's like, okay, I'm going to be well-rested. I'm not going to play a lot. I'm just going to practice, work with my coach, work with my team. Or I'm going to play a heavy schedule leading in. He missed the cut, by the way, at the Valero last week. Mm -hmm. So. He usually doesn't play there. I think he'd only played there like once before, and that was all the way back in 2013. So, you know, I I bet Rory on the future, but in the matchup, I don't necessarily disagree with you on DJ. It seems like he is peaking and playing better golf leading in because I was very impressed with DJ at the match play. Mm -hmm. Now, he ran into the buzzsaw that was Scotty Scheffler. He ended (laughs) up winning the thing down in Austin. So, you know, maybe this is the point where DJ is kind of like, okay, don't forget about me. His last win, by the way, was 2021 at the Saudi International. So this is a guy that didn't even win on the PGA Tour. And Dustin Johnson, no player has probably been more consistent over the last decade or decade in change than DJ. So, you know, getting that monkey off his back, you know, he's going to get married finally to uh, the lovely Paulina later this year. Finally. So, yeah. They've yeah been a, together a very, a, long a, very time. Uh, a very long engagement uh, for those two. I wonder if but... Wayne had something to do with that. <laughs> right. take, take my time with my Right, dog. right. Uh, get all the, get all the eyes and the, the eyes dotted and the T's crossed. But yeah, I think DJ, at least if you look at recent form and you go at the recency bias, he is playing a little bit better than Rory, right? Right now. One other matchup I want to mention very quickly before we take a break here is the X-Man against Brooksy. Because, again, they're double-dog daring you to take Kepka mm-hmm. at plus money, plus 105. The X-Man, you got to lay $1.35. Now, look, I know Xander has got great form here, but Brooksy kind of wakes up and finishes top fives in majors. Right, and, and I think Brooks will get the money in terms of that matchup. Would not surprise me to see a flip of favorites. But to the point regarding the X-Man, uh, he has played 17 career majors. 
and has finished seventh or better in nine of 17 majors. That's the best record of wow. anybody that has not won. This guy, look, uh, tied for second at the Open Championship in 2018, tied for second here in 2019, was T3 last year at the Masters, hit that ball in the water on 16. So this is a guy that's been knocking it down. He won the Olympic gold medal last summer, but he's a guy that's so good and the numbers are so great, but he just doesn't quite win enough, to, I think, to satisfy the appetite of his price. Well, he does play well at this golf course, but I know Brooks is gunning for a big week at Augusta as well. When we come back, we'll talk some more Major League Baseball, some future markets, and some prices there that we might like. Come on back. It's the Lombardi Line right here on these Elite Sports Betting More Masters Insight? Well, who doesn't? Check out VEASAN's Long Shots podcast today. Brady Cannon, the man to my right, Wes Reynolds, and Matt Humans have a breakdown of every golfer in the field, plus future bets and matchups. Download the Long Shots podcast now at VEASAN.com slash podcast or wherever you get your podcast. While you're there, you can catch up on every VEASAN show as well including First Strike. We're going to have that coming out. First look, First Strike today, because there is UFC 273 this weekend. I know it's been overshadowed by the talk of Augusta National. I do want to read a couple tweets to you. And one came to us, and I think this is almost a cautionary tale, where people now are so excited about Tiger Woods being back in the field. Mm -hmm. Somebody tweeted at me, I'm placing my bet on the greatest golfer of all time. What a story it'll be, and those odds are going to make my wallet fat. Now, here's the cautionary tale on that. The number you're getting now at Tiger is not the number you could have gotten last week. Right. I think a month ago, Wes, the odds of him playing, you might have gotten at the odds you're getting now for him to win. Yeah. So would you say to the people out there, hey, we get it. Who doesn't love a good narrative? We're all rooting for the guy. But if you're trying to make the best financial decision here in the futures market, Betting Tiger at 41 might not 40 to 1 might not be the best decision. Yeah, if you're betting a small amount, you know, and you want something to root for and it's not going to break you if you lose, by all means, go ahead and bet it. But this is not something you want to exactly go to war with, I think, because you don't know how he's going to be because this is a long course, by the way. This mm. is 7,500 yards as, as a list, but it plays longer than that because it's obviously hilly and has a lot of undulation. You're exhausted after a round out here. This is not like who you mentioned earlier, Brooks Kepka, when he won at Phoenix a couple years ago. Remember when he had that knee injury oh, yeah. and he wasn't quite 100%? That's a flat desert course, so <laughs> that's a very easy walk by, by PGA Tour standards, and it is not so this week. It's like Tiger wouldn't coming back and because it's the Masters, that's why he's got Coming back, if this was like the Greater Milwaukee Open, he he's taking a pass on that. But he picked a challenge here because this does wear and tear on your body a little bit. So I don't think that I'm going to not fade him necessarily because I think people just, because it's Tiger Woods, they want to get involved like on futures right. or make or miss cut props or matchups. It's like there are 90 other players in the field, by the way, that you can either fade or follow. So. I'm taking a pass because I don't know what this guy is going to do. And I remember in 2019 when everybody doubted him, then all of a sudden he's there because that's why you got to be a little bit skittish about saying, I'm going to be against him in every single prop and every <laughs> single matchup and whatnot. So I'm kind of taking a pass. And uh, 
the rest of the field, by the way, is going to have to take a pass at Augusta National. Shut because it down. The club is closed for the remainder of the day due to the uh, weather conditions. So the Tuesday practice round was obviously suspended about a couple hours ago. Mm -hmm. So no more action today. You'll have to wait for the par three tomorrow. And again, right now, BetMGM, you can get Tiger at 50 to 1. We've seen some uh, around the market, some lower numbers than that, at 40 to 1 even. Uh, but again, I just saw Ian McMillan, our buddy from the Green Zone, who joins us throughout football season and said, I bet Tiger to make the cut at plus $1.25 last night. It's the only Tiger bet I'll be making this well, week. Well, and, and, I, and I had mentioned that, you know, over a couple of shows that we have done that, by the way, it's going to be all on the yes because nobody's going to root for Tiger to miss the That's cut. That's playing so the no on the gonna, pass line. Yeah, betters are going to bet what they're rooting for. I think the no at one point was like 225, right. and now that is obviously dropping. At one point, I think it was like in the dollar sixty range, but now the fact that partially we know that he is going to play as of today, so it's like, okay, well, it's going to drop anyway. Books are going to go ahead and drop it before you can get the good price, but all the handle is going to come in on the yes, clearly. No question about it. So, again, Tiger, the, the news today just before we came on the air was that he says as of now he will be playing on Thursday. Again, bad weather is coming in. It's getting colder there. He says the cold is not good for his body. He said that in the press conference as well. But barring a major setback, it looks like uh, you're going to see Tiger Woods tee it up come Thursday morning with Louis Oosthuizen and Joaquin Neiman. Uh, let's get back to Major League Baseball here very quickly, talking about the futures market there. Because, again, Major League Baseball begins on Thursday, and it's almost been overshadowed with all this dominant Tiger talk here in the sports world but when you look at the AL MVP and you know I was having this discussion last night about Shohei Otani and the unicorn that he is and right now he is plus 350 the shortest favorite on the board to be the MVP again this year now it's interesting to me because Mike Trout's coming back and when you have two angels one and two to lead the way here with Vlad Jr. the third price at five to one does that correlate to you for the Angels futures market that you go, man, now I got healthy Mike Trout. I got Shohei Otani. Let's just hope that the health stands up for him, that he can be a pitcher and be a dominant hitter. That, man, all of a sudden, I got to think about Joe Madden and this team overall, not just these individual MVP odds. Well, the problem, and I guess the fly in that ointment to your theory there, is that Angels starting rotation, which now has Thor, hey. Noah Syndergaard. It does have Shohei Otani. I think Patrick Sandoval, the lefty, he's the guy that could make a leap this year. But I'm looking at that back end of the Angels rotation. Not I'm good. like, okay, who is going to be able to step up this year for these guys? Because that that that's your concern. It's just they got a bunch of middle relief guys, and they've got a lot of well-traveled guys, you know, as Michael Lorenzen, who's been pretty much a mid-relief guy for the mm -hmm. Reds, going to be able to be like a number four or going to be a five-starter. You have Jose Suarez there. So the Angels are always those teams that make a sexy move in free agency. You saw it last year with Anthony Rendon. You obviously have Noah Syndergaard. So they'll be able to score runs, but I just don't know how they're going to be able to prevent runs when they get deeper into that rotation. But back to like the AL MVP mm -hmm. that you brought up with uh, Otani and Trout and obviously Vlad junior being prices of favorites if I was looking a little bit down the board there is a pretty precipitous drop from those three guys there is and I know that this is not a team that's being talked about because look I like the Blue Jays to win the AL East but that doesn't mean you have to win the division to have the MVP winner and I'm looking at Aaron Judge oh. anywhere in the low to mid 20s right now the uh, the concern has always been about Judge is that he just doesn't play enough mm -hmm. but he finally played at least 140 games for just the second time in his career last year I think uh, it was 148. That was the most that he had since his rookie campaign where he hit 52 home runs in 2017. So he is turning 30. 
and it's still a contract year. They're trying to get an extension. Is this going to be like a Freddie Freeman situation, you know, where he becomes a free agent after the World Series and having good stats in that final contract year? When it gets to be a contract year, I think a guy does turn it up. You kind of saw that with Freeman last year, and I think you may see that with Aaron Judge, and look, he's he's going to have to be, but he's obviously good in the field, a good right fielder. I oh, think yeah. that's the underrated part of his game. He's, got a, rock, very good. he's got a rocket for an arm, so, you know, the Yankees aren't like that much of an underdog necessarily to the Blue Jays in that, in that AL East, and I mean, if he can push 50 home runs and have the Yankees right there in the division... 22 to 1, 25 to 1, I've seen on Aaron Judge. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's too far fetched. Two other names I wanted to bring up in the American League before we shift it very quickly to the National. I, I do look at Wander Franco, and it just feels like yesterday we're talking about him for AL Rookie of the Year, and now we're talking about him for MVP for a race team that just they just go out and win. Again, their, their win total is about 90 and a half here. And the other name there is Jordan Alvarez at 25 to 1. If we believe that the Astros are still going to be who they are, do you think there's any value there that he kind of shines in Houston with a lot of still stars, even though Carlos Correa's exited stage left for Minnesota? The problem for the Astros is I don't know if they're going to be who they are. Like, I don't I look at the AL West yeah. just in a macro sense up and down the order. I don't know if there's any team that can, like, jump up to overtake them. Like, I don't know if the Angels are good enough to do that. I don't know if the Mariners, who are improved, are good enough to do that. The Texas Rangers certainly have added more talent. But I think maybe this is the Astros kind of falling back a little little bit if they come back to the back keep in mind Justin Verlander is not healthy and you are getting a little bit older and 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 there's just that sense that yeah they're still the best team on paper and they should win that division but they can hit the skids a little Mm -hmm. bit so I worry a little bit about some of those Astros I know that those are attractive prices because it's like maybe they're still the Astros but I don't know if I'm quite convinced I look at the National League and I get it because you know I was in DC when, when, when you get Juan Soto he is the talk right they let Bryce Harper go oh by the way he won another MVP in Philadelphia last year. He's 10 to 1, Bryce Harper, to, to regain that trophy and that mantle as the most valuable player in the National League. Soto's 3 to 1. I Look, I get it. He looks like just the unstoppable force, but it's going to be an awful team in D.C., we believe. And then Acuna Jr. is going to miss a lot of time. He's 7 to 1. Mm-hmm. So. Is this mispriced here? Do you think Soto should be that big a favorite? I mean, I think that that's a little that's a little bit short at this so at, at this standpoint. I understand because he's arguably the best player in baseball, but maybe you wait on these two. Keep in mind these MVP odds. You know, you don't have to get him in right before opening day. These are going to be repriced they throughout the season, and so much of these awards betting we've seen it in the NBA all year is timing the market. So yeah, you don't want to buy the guy at the apex here. You want to see him drop a little bit so uh you know in terms of a value play if you want to bet against Soto maybe Trey Turner in the high teens there he led the National League and wins above replacement or war in 2021 what's it good for yeah absolutely nothing, nothing. Uh, maybe for uh for that team this year but eighth in OPS <laughs> 9-11 uh Bryce Harper was number one in OPS last year so Trey Turner could be a guy down the lineup now you worry about the lack of power but I think the consistency is going to be there so yeah I wouldn't be betting these favorites early on. I would wait a couple months in to see if you can get a lot better price. Very quickly, when I see Christian Yelich at 30 to 1, I go, oh my goodness. Can because he hit, I think, can uh, he hit, can I think we all kind of like the Brewers this year, right. too. So uh, maybe maybe this is the spot to jump in on Yelich. Right, let's see if he bounces back. When we come back, we're going to have the King of New York. Will Hill is going to join us. Talk a little NBA, and he's got a long shot at the Masters. Can't wait to see if you agree with it or not. Come on back. It is the Lombardi line right here on Beeson, the Sports Betting Network. 
Back here on the Lombardi line. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. We are here at South Point Casino in Las Vegas. He, Will Hill, is in New York because he's the king of New York. You got to check him out. The New York City cast we have here on VEASAN. Of course, a great contributor that we have. Always great to catch up with you, Will. On a Tuesday, we go from, we're going to talk Tiger and we're going to talk Augusta with you in a second. But let's go from the best in Tiger, maybe to the worst in the Houston Rockets in the NBA tonight. And you actually like the Rockets this evening? Will, please explain yourself. I do, and you guys did a great job breaking down the college game. I just want to get something off my chest. That is not a bad beat if you laid the four with Kansas. You weren't covering 95% of the game. And you guys know this. You guys know this. People are whining on Twitter. But when you're laying four and you're up three and you got a one-and-one to deal with, that is very, you know, inbound that's a the ball, tricky Will. scenario. Inbound mm-hmm. the basketball is all you have to do. And at least I'm getting a push, right? Maybe if you break the front end of the one and one, you're going to lose. And if you make the first and miss the second, you're going to push. And if you make both of them, you still got three or four seconds for Carolina where they can backdoor you. So that's not as bad a beat. Kansas <laughs> minus four whiners can stop whining. And it's uh, especially not a bad beat when they were down 16 points. Yeah, and that was point. the biggest comeback in NCAA no tournament doubt. championship game history. So uh, there's something to be said for small favorite money lines. No doubt. Uh, the Rockets. Yeah, I just don't think the Nets can be laying this number 17, 17 and a half are out there to anyone. I mean, this team is really small. They struggle to get stops. Uh, you know, are, are they going to really go all out to bury this team by 20, 30 points? Maybe. But uh, to me, the Nets here, uh, this this is too big of a number. The uh, the Rockets are young. They're athletic. Uh, I think we see by the total here. If I think it's 244 and a half that expect plenty of points on both sides. But, you know, this is a Nets team that gave up. Uh, 123 points a couple weeks ago to the Blazers, basically G League team. That's you know the tanker of all tankers. So to me, 17 is way too many points. I'm going to take the uh, the Rockets here. Very quickly to that end about Brooklyn, because you know we were talking in the break here a little bit about the Lakers, and looks like they're going to miss the postseason. What's the vibe in New York City uh, about Brooklyn? Because are they now going all right? Now let's see what this Brooklyn Nets team looks like. Because I'm still flabbergasted when I look at the numbers in the futures market for them to come out of the East. What am I missing, Will? No, I'm totally with you. With you. Uh, first of all, to answer your question, nobody cares about the Nets. It's all about the Knicks. So nobody even cares about the Nets. They could have the all-star team. It doesn't matter. But <laughs> the number is way too short. They're going to have to go through at least one playing round and maybe two. Now, they do have a soft schedule here the last week. But you're going to have to win four or five rounds here to win a title. You know, there's some six to ones out there. To me, you're better off just playing them money line by money line, round by round. Uh, that number is way too short. I'm totally with you. It's ridiculous. Now, when you have Durant, you have a puncher's chance against just about anyone. I would favor Milwaukee a good deal against them because I think we saw the other night. Milwaukee's just much bigger, much stronger. Uh, you know, the Nets are a tiny team, so I think the Bucks would be hard for them to beat. But anybody else, look, you got Durant, you got a chance. But to me, that's not a good number to bet. And uh, back to that Rockets-Nets game momentarily, just to make kind of a macro point here, as we've got basically four to five games, depending on the team left, before we get to the playoffs. Brooklyn right now in that 10 spot. Everything seems to be you're paying the tax already because the late yeah. 17, by the way, this Rockets team, 6-3-1 and one ATS, so even though they're well out of it, they have not packed it in, I think, from this standpoint against the Nets team that's struggling to cover numbers. But one team that does look like they have packed it in, absolutely, if you watch them on a night-in and night-out basis, are the Portland Trailblazers. <laughs> and, Will, you're going to go ahead against them tonight. 
Yeah, it, it's really it's a great week in sports to get the national title game last night. Thursday, it's the Masters. It's opening day of baseball. And tonight we get the Blazers and the Thunder, which is uh, which is just going to be great. This is must see TV. <laughs> yeah. Look, the Thunder are tanking, but you can't out tank this Blazers team. This Blazers team <laughs> is the 98 Bulls of tankers. They've lost their last 12. Most of them are, you know, 15, 20 points. And Oklahoma City actually accidentally, I think, won a game against Phoenix the other night. Uh to really put your season win total under, if you have the thunder, which I do in jeopardy, they're at 23 and a half season win totals that brought them to 23. They beat the Suns and beat them handily as like 14 point underdogs. Uh, to me, the thunder just have a better roster. Uh, maybe you're going to see teams throwing it in their, their, their own basket on purpose here. This could be a, a <laughs> bit of a, a bit of a charade here, but to me, the thunder are the better team here. Uh, I'm going to lay the four and a half. I, I know this is moved up a little bit, but I like OKC tonight. The 98 bulls of tanking. That's a great line. Okay. Let's get to the bucks and the bulls uh, because right now is Chicago. I, I think a lot of us at the all-star break kind of thought maybe they're going to come back. They've done that a little bit here in the second half of the season, Milwaukee on the road. It seems like the bucks own the bulls. What do you make of the matchup tonight? Yeah, I'm seeing the six. Now the six is a little much. I know it opened four and a half and there were some fives out there, six and you're cutting it close. But I do think this just directionally is a bounce back spot for Milwaukee. Uh, they got buried Friday night. Now they played most of their backups, but so did the Clippers and they gave up, I think one fifty to the Clippers. Then Sunday, uh, a chance to win the division. You know, Luca really uh, did a number on them. Milwaukee lost at home in that one. I don't think that the Milwaukee's going to want this to fester. I think they kind of put their foot down tonight, clinch the division, beat the Bulls, beat a Bulls team that's really struggled, like you mentioned, in the second half. Again, that six is getting a little pricey. I'm not crazy about laying the six, but uh, I do like Milwaukee here. Will, a couple, uh, I know you don't have plays on these games, but you could break them down for us. Miami Heat right now, 51 and 28, two game lead in the Eastern Conference of three to play. Five and a half lay into the Hornets, who are right in that scenario with Brooklyn, kind of in that playoff uh, play in spot, if you will, at 40 and 38. Do you think the tax is a little bit too high on the Heat, though, here at five and a half? A little bit. I remember it was just a week ago. You could get them at a discount, you know, plus five against Boston. They beat them and that kind of turned it around. You know, you don't know what to make of Miami. It's like the episode of Seinfeld where George has the glasses. Remember he, <laughs> he eats the onion by accident, but then he sees a dime all the way across the room. The heat are, are really bipolar. They play terribly, you know, for a good couple of weeks, Butler's getting into a fight with the coach, but they seem to have turned it around. Uh, I do think it's a little bit of a tax here. I would lean towards a Hornets team that has a lot to play for here. Uh, in, in terms of the playing. So uh, a lean, a slight lean here to uh, to the Hornets plus the five and, and a half. And Will did just mention George Cassandra. By the way, rest in peace, Mrs. Cassandra. Yes. We lost yeah. Estelle Harris over the weekend Great at character. 93 years old. So uh, at least we get to see uh, her brilliance still in reruns. Absolutely. I, we, we're going to see some brilliance at Augusta National this week. We know Tiger Woods. It looks like he's going to be back for all intents and purposes here. Again, barring some setback here. But you've got your eye on a long shot this week. And I'm curious when you look at the number, and I believe right now you probably got a better number. I'm seeing 50 to one uh, pretty much market wide for Sam Burns. Tell me why you like Sam this week. Ooh, I'll take 50 to one. I think there's some smaller numbers out there. So 50 to one's good. Uh, now this is Burns first time playing the masters and the last time a first time winner won this was 1979, I believe fuzzy Zeller. So it's usually not the formula, but usually you don't have a guy with three tournament wins making his master's debut, which Burns has. And uh, I just think it's a good course for him. You know, he's across the board plus in all these categories in terms of stroke strokes gained. And you look at strokes gained approach. I think that's a good sort of indicator for success of this tournament. Uh, Burns is good in that category. So 
again, this is a guy that's won a few times, three times pretty much in the last calendar year or so. So uh, I'll take Burns here at a plus price. And I know it's not the formula to have a, a first-time winner, you know, making his debut to win for the first time at Augusta. But, you know, we saw Will Zalatoris yes. flirt with it last year, mm-hmm. his first time. He what missed the playoff by, I think it was a stroke last year. Mm-hmm. So uh, it can happen. It's not impossible. So uh, I'll take Burns here, who I really love as a player here at uh, 50 to 1. No, that's a good point that Will makes, by the way. Of course, we all know the debutant uh, stat that the last one to win was Fuzzy Zeller mm-hmm. in uh, 1979. Floyd Knobs, Indiana native, by the way. But Zalatoris was second here last year. Sun JM was second in T2 in 2020. So. You know, these young guys, they're just getting so much more talented and they can win right away and they're not bashful about it. So you don't see these young guys because we were talking about that with Carl Paulson. They're not necessarily fearing of Tiger. They always know where he is, but they don't fear anything. Scotty Scheffler and these young guys, Cameron Smith, they don't fear anybody. And I do wonder, Will, when you look at some of these other guys out there of the quote unquote bigger names, maybe the major champions that are back. Is there somebody else? If you're going for Burns a little bit off the board as as a first timer, is there anybody on the board that's been around? the block at Augusta that you might like this week. Yeah, it's tough. I, um, you know, Berger at 40 to one is interesting. Mm-hmm. Again, Zalatoris, I'm looking at 33 to one, uh, Matsuyama 33 to one. I might need a little more there. So, uh, again, it's a great tournament. Uh, nothing else at the moment. Of course, I'll, I'll be checking out long shots to see what you guys have. Yeah. Let me ask Wes, have, have you played anything yet? What, uh, what's kind of one or two that are on your, your, uh, your radar here on the shorter end, Justin Thomas. I played Rory okay. McElroy as he tries to go for that grand slam for the eighth time uh, here. He's been trying to do that since 2015. Patrick Cantlay in terms of the shorter, like when I went to the middle, I went with the guy that's really been putting well and kind of quietly getting back in the form. Adam Scott, who Ooh. you may be able to shop Scotty. on Scotty, the former masters champion, by the way, anywhere 60 to 70 to one. Cause you don't really want to go too deep, but you, you know, have one yeah. bomb on your card, but you just don't see bombs win here historically. No, it doesn't seem to happen. I, I do, if you're looking at an extreme long shot, I wonder what's happened to Francesco Molinari. I saw the price tag on him, I couldn't even believe it, Will, when I looked at it. And I go, this guy was the best golfer in the world three years ago, and now he's fallen off the map. So those are some of the, the type of names that you might want to be on the lookout for. And by the way, if Rory wins... He gets Wes's jacket. <laughs> I will be in Butler Cabin to present this jacket to Rory on. I would Sunday. love to get that jacket. Uh, we'll always appreciate you, man. Again, you got to check out the New York City cast and follow him on Twitter as we do at Not the Will Hill. We'll catch up with you next week, my friend. All right, when we come back here, we will talk a little bit more about Augusta, put some finishing touches on this edition of the Lombardi Line right here on Decent, the Sports Betting Network. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets and risk-free tokens. Planning a trip to Vegas? Come on out. You can convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining and shows and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM Resort properties located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting's premier loyalty program featuring exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager on the 
BetMGM app. Sign up with BetMGM or log on today to get an even bigger piece of the action with BetMGM Rewards. Eligibility restrictions do apply. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Please gamble responsibly. If you have a problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Dave Ross alongside Wes Reynolds. This is the Lombardi Line right here on VEASAN. Let's uh, wrap up our Augusta talk because I won't see you. The next time I see you, Wes, hopefully we'll be talking about Tiger Woods over the weekend, that he's playing the weekend. If you think, and we talked about this, the, the market out there for Tiger Woods has changed dramatically in the last 24 hours. You could have gotten plus prices for Tiger to make the cut. I think those are going by the wayside. Mm-hmm. Are you now more convinced or does it change your opinion at all after hearing Tiger today Hearing what other guys like Freddie Couples have said, he yeah. looks amazing out there. Well, Freddie is his guy, though, by the guy. way. So it's not like Freddie's going to say, yeah, you look like crap out here. I, 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 I think you <laughs> he should take some time off. So Freddie's always been, uh, you know, Tiger's homeboy, so to speak, over the years. They're very good friends. But I'm still going to avoid because I do worry if he gets to a point where it's like, you know what? I gave it my all here, but... I, ju- I just can't do it. I can't do, do you the think walking. A, do you really think there's a – we've seen him I- in years past, and this goes back to physical ailments, and this is clearly a physical ailment. He mentioned today, and I paid close attention to it on the drive-in, He his leg – it's not like it's going to get much better. Right. Like, he's going to have pins and rods in there going forward. He's withdrawn from tournaments in the past. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that's going to happen. But, again, those future players, yeah, it, that's something you have to really – kind of deal with mentally yeah. that there is a chance even if he puts the, the peg in the ground Thursday that doesn't necessarily mean he makes it through the I mean, whole weekend yeah because if he hits one shot that's live and that's action, got here action because like you know more often than not if he withdraws and it's like you know what I can't I, I can't do it, it. I, I'm not, I'm not going to tee it up I can't go then more most shops are going to refund you on your action on your props or on your matchups or your futures clearly so most books will do refunds. I think a couple books will say action, and the refund, if you get it, won't happen until the tournament is an official result. So you won't be able to go on Thursday, let's say he withdraws Wednesday night, and say, hey, can I get my refund? A lot of times they'll make you wait until the tournament concludes on Sunday to get the official result because he's part of the pool. And obviously when you have withdrawals, you get some odds changes, mm-hmm. especially somebody like Tiger. You know, if somebody in the back end, like if Sandy Lyle or Larry Mize withdraws, mm-hmm. they're not right. going to change it. But, yeah, I, I I think that's the risk in terms of betting Tiger here or betting on or against is that if he withdraws, if he doesn't make it through, I understand why people want to bet him to make the cut because he's never missed the cut as a professional. He missed it once, and that was as an amateur. Because remember the year before, he was the low amateur. Mm -hmm. I think he was like T27 or somewhere (laughs) in that range. But he's never missed the cut as a professional. So I'm going to be just a spectator, and I'm going to be just a watcher and not necessarily a better on one Eldrick Tiger Woods. I'll tell you this, to your point, I did have a feature play months ago on one – Phil Mickelson, remember him? Mm-hmm. I'm waiting to get refunded for that. So we'll see because you have to wait for the tournament to be over. And again, by the way, I got that number. Phil was uh, 100 to 1. Mm-hmm. And this was healthy Phil Mickelson. We have Tiger Woods, I don't want to say one legged U.S. Open Tiger Woods, that you're seeing 40 to 50 to 1. That shows you, to your point of 22 times as a, as a pro, making the cut 22 times. We just expect if he tees up, he's going to be around for the week. Well, whatever happens with Tiger, he is going to get a lovely meal tonight at the club oh. dinner, uh, courtesy of Hideki Matsuyama. That's about a $500 dinner if you and I were going to go out on the strip for this menu. It looks 
fantastic as Hideki Matsuyama. About 33 to 1 is what we're seeing for Hideki. And he is also wounded a little bit, too. Just keep in mind the champion did withdraw last week at the Valero. So there's a few guys with injury concerns. You see it with Bryson DeChambeau. Yes. That he missed the cut last week at the Valero. Even though he looked okay at the match play, he's got various injuries. Paul Casey, who I have, I have him at a bigger number now, was a withdrawal in the match play. That might have been just precautionary with back spasms because he did just finish third at the players two weeks ago. Well, you know, uh, Bryson DeChambeau, to that end, his doctor said he should not play for four months. That was two months ago. Mm-hmm. So he is clearly sped up the But he always frame. knows more than the doctors. He's... He knows more, knows more than everybody. Science. I will say this. There's, I think it's easier sometimes to whittle down the field to guys that you don't think can win. And guys I would avoid this week are Bryson DeChambeau, Hideki Matsuyama, and I hate to say it, the other guy's Jordan Spieth. And I look at the numbers of, of Jordy, and I go, boy, they're enticing you to take him. We, mm-hmm. have, we have just done almost two hours, and a lot of it uh, consisted of, of golf talk. And we didn't mention his name once. Right. What has happened to Jordan Spieth? Well, he did have a good final round on Sunday. So now it's like, okay, do we buy in on the guy? Look, he can win here. I mean, he's had, I, I think it probably arguably the best record of anybody in this field really over the last decade. Remember, he was runner-up. We talked about with Will Hill. He's mm-hmm. on Sam Burns as a debutant. Remember, he is a debutant here at Augusta National. Went second, T2 in 2014, then won the very next year in 2015. Probably should have won another one. Kind oh, of left boy. the door open for one Danny Willett. Yes, but last I did. checked, Danny Willett still sends the green jacket out for dry cleaning. So <laughs> he will accept that Masters tournament victory. Thank you very much. But he's got a couple other thirds. So he he was T3 here last year, but he was in better form. That was the week before he had won the Valero Texas Open in San Antonio. I believe that was like his first win in about three and a half years because the last time he won was the Open at St. Andrews. So, look, Spieth can do it here, but I got to say when you look at the metrics, and I usually run some stat models okay. pretty much week in and week out in terms of, you know, strokes gained approach and off the tee and proximity to the hole and putting. Putting obviously has always been the strength of Spieth's game. It hasn't really been. Mm. He, it, it, when, when the putter is nowhere, this guy does not hit it long or accurate enough off the tee to make up for that. And that's a concern. When he's got the putter rolling, all of a sudden it really gives that approach game confidence because from a player standpoint, he can absolutely win here and contend here. But you're just not getting a good enough price. Like I think Spieth in terms of his true odds mm. ought to be like mid-30s to about 40 to 1. But obviously you're not going to give that to somebody that's a really proven player here that's got five career finishes a third or better. I, I, I do want to continue this conversation because there's another name that we used to talk about. When I say used to, I'm talking about last year, two years ago, that we say, well, it's just a matter of time. That guy's Tony Finau. Okay, and I look at Tony, and I do have a longer play on Tony from about a month ago here. His form is not great, but he does seem to, for whatever reason, play better when he gets here. Mm -hmm. This seems like it should be a golf course that would fit his eye. When we talk about guys, class players, that we really don't discuss much in the way of winning this week, what do you make of Finau's long shot chances? Tony Finau, where Where he be now? Where he be? Hopefully he'd be on the first page of the leaderboard because I did bet him, and I really bet him not on his form and not on his previous history, but it was more of a market play because I think when you're handicapping golf futures, just kind of a macro discussion here, 
Obviously, you're going with recency bias and recent form. You're going with course form. You're going with stats like, okay, this is a second shot golf course, so you want to look at approach or you want to look at greens and regulation gain or proximity to the hole. Tony Finau was simply just a market play to me, getting him in the mid-70s because this guy a year ago was like in the low 30s. You know, it's like, okay, he's he's finally going to win. And then he won because he was trying to get that monkey off his back. He had that one PGA Tour win at the Puerto Rico Open like five years ago. And then he won at the Northern Trust, a big FedEx Cup playoff event against one of the best fields all year. So it's like, okay, now the wins are going to finally come for Tony Finau, and they have not. And that's the point. Like, we thought what's happened with the ascension of Scotty Scheffler, we thought that was Tony Finau. Mm-hmm. Like, if you told me who would be the number one player in the world after getting their first tournament win and then kind of cascading that into other wins, I think most of us would have picked Finau. Instead, it's been Scotty Scheffler. But- so you can get Scheffler now, what, about 16 to 1? Yeah, and he was 40 to start the season. So Tony Finau is clearly a buy on the dip type of guy. And that's what you got to do. This is a marketplace. That's this right. is a betting market. So you don't always want to buy a stock like at a 52-week high. Like I would consider like Scotty Scheffler or Cameron Smith. They can absolutely win the green jacket. Mm-hmm. No question about it. But you are buying them now at the 52-week high. So you want to buy, I think, a guy like Finau. If you're looking for a little bit of a longer shot, you could certainly buy him on the dip. Well, at BetMGM, you get 66 to 1 on Tony Finau. I mean, that, that's as good as it's going to get for a class player like Finau. So, again, if you're going to go off a little bit off the beaten path, that's I think what Wes and I are trying to do here is find you a name with a number that actually makes sense for a long shot. I mean, Tony Finau to 66 to 1 long shot, that's pretty good value. Uh, very quickly, I know we're excited for the first round. Will you handicap those matchups now you, that you know the groupings with when you have like a, a Neiman and a Ustay Yeah, I will. And you can do the head-to-heads, obviously, round-by-round or full tournament. You can do three-ball where they'll have money lines on these guys. So I'll be handicapping that, and I'll be also looking at some of the prop markets, the nationality markets, low amateur, low senior markets. So all kind of great prop markets for Augusta National. That's why you got to listen to long shots each and every week and also check them out, Wes Reynolds Reynolds 1 on Twitter, as I do. Wes, always enjoy the conversation. Uh, Certainly want to thank Will Hill for joining us and Carl Paulson as well. We got you covered all afternoon long and evening right here in Beeson, the Sports Betting Network.